Welcome to the Urantia Revelation Podcast, and today we're going to spend a little bit of time with Rodan, the great Greek philosopher that is mentioned in paper 160 of the Urantia book. Rodan was a Greek philosopher, but he was also a teacher in Egypt at a time when Alexandria was second only to Rome as the world's center of culture. Rodin was probably an accomplished man for his time and his period, remembering that most people lived in poverty by today's standards back then. And as you will see from his insight that he shares with Jesus' apostles, he was quite brilliant. That such a prominent man of this time would travel to see Jesus is also impressive, and more so because he debates with the apostles about things like How can God have personality? How can deity be personal? These are pretty challenging questions in that time. But in the end, they, Nathaniel and Thomas, convinced Rodan that what Jesus said about God is true, that he is a personal deity. But you can't ignore the fact that this mysterious Rodan lost on the pages of history is reclaimed as his teachings are included in this revelation. So much so that they, the Midwayers Commission, when formulating Part 4 of the Arantia book, felt it important enough to memorialize Rodin's ideas, many of which are applicable to the modern age and with the complex problems we are faced today in the world. And these highlights from Rodin of Alexandria are worth noting from paper 160 in the Arantia book. Here's what he writes, and here's what is a summation of his conversations with Nathaniel and Thomas. The more complex civilization becomes, the more difficult will become the art of living. The more rapid the changes in social usage, the more complicated will become the task of character development. Every ten generations, mankind must learn anew the art of living if progress is to continue. And if man becomes so ingenious that he more rapidly adds to the complexities of life, the art of living will need to be remastered in less time, perhaps every single generation. If the evolution of the art of living fails to keep pace with the technique of existence, humanity will quickly revert to the simple urge of living the attainment of the satisfaction of present desires. Thus, will humanity remain immature. Society will fail in growing up to full maturity. Rodin continues on, Animals respond nobly to the urge of life, but only man can attain the art of living, albeit the majority of mankind only experience the animal urge to live. Animals know only this blind and instinctive urge. Man is capable of transcending this urge to natural function. Man may elect to live upon the high plane of intelligent art, even that of celestial joy and spiritual ecstasy. Animals make no inquiry into the purposes of life. Therefore, they never worry. Neither do they commit suicide. Suicide among man testifies that such beings have emerged from the purely animal stage of existence, and to the further fact that the exploratory efforts of such human beings have failed to attain the artistic levels of mortal experience. 
Animals know not the meaning of life. Man not only possesses capacity for the recognition of values and the comprehension of meanings, but he is also conscious of the meaning of meanings. He is self-conscious of insight. Rodin continues, Successful living is nothing more or less than the art of the mastery of dependable techniques for solving common problems. The first step in the solution of any problem is to locate the difficulty, to isolate the problem, and frankly, to recognize its nature and gravity. The great mistake is that when life problems excite our profound fears, we refuse to recognize them. The wise and effective solution of any problem demands that the mind shall be free from bias, passion, and all other purely personal prejudices. The solution of life problems requires courage and sincerity. But the greatest of all methods of problem-solving, Rodin says, that he has learned from Jesus, says your master, the isolation of worshipful meditation in this habit of Jesus going off so frequently by himself to commune with the Father in heaven is to be found the technique not only of gathering strength and wisdom for the ordinary conflicts of living, but also of appropriating the energy for the solution of higher problems of a more moral and spiritual nature. In paper 60, Rodin continues, This worshipful practice of your master brings that relaxation which renews the mind, that illumination which inspires the soul, that courage which enables one bravely to face one's problems. The relaxation of worship or spiritual communion as practiced by the master relieves tension, removes conflicts, and mightily augments the total resources of the personality. And all this philosophy plus the gospel of the kingdom constitutes the new religion as I understand it. And Rodin concludes, there are just two ways in which mortals may live together, the material or the animal way, and the spiritual or human way. By the use of signals and sounds, animals are able to communicate with each other in a limited way, but such forms of communication do not convey meanings, values, or ideas. The one distinction between man and the animal is that man can communicate with his fellows by means of symbols. Man develops personality because he can thus communicate with his fellows concerning both ideas and ideals. It is this ability to communicate and share meanings that constitute human culture and enables man to build civilizations. And all of this he comes to a conclusion, and it turned out to be a great experience in the lives of all three of these believers being able to talk about these these wonderful insights, Rodin, Nathaniel, and Thomas. So what happened to Rodin after spending that time with Nathaniel and Thomas? Well... Eventually he made his way back to Alexandria and uh, he continued to teach philosophy in the school of Magenta. He became a mighty man in the later affairs of the kingdom and he was a faithful believer to the end of his earth days, yielding up his life in Greece with others when the persecutions were at their height. 
so we're to believe that he was persecuted for his beliefs. But whatever happened to Maganta, the city from which Rodan came? Well, according to Philo of Alexandria, in the year 38 of the Common Era, right after Jesus passed, disturbances erupted between Jews and Greek citizens of Alexandria during a visit paid by the Jewish king Agrippa I to Alexandria. And then in July of 365, Alexandria was devastated by a tsunami, itself a result of the AD 365 Crete earthquake, an event annually commemorated years later as, quote, the day of horror. Well, did Rodan ever have a chance to meet with Jesus? Not in the flesh, but Rodan didn't get his wish. This from paper 191. While the 11 apostles were on their way to Galilee, drawing near their journey's end on Tuesday evening, April 18th, at about half past eight o'clock, Jesus appeared to Rodan and some 80 other believers in Alexandria. This was the master's 12th appearance in his post-resurrection form. Jesus appeared before these Greeks and Jews at the conclusion of the report of David Zebedee's messenger regarding the crucifixion. And when he had delivered his message to Rodan, it was decided to call the believers together to receive this tragic word from the messenger himself. So this is right after the resurrection. And that's the story of Rodan. He had an opportunity to meet the very man that he so faithfully followed. But just a little bit later, one of the few people that got to see the resurrected Christ. And that's the story of Rodan. What an interesting fellow, to say the least. And I thank you for joining me. I wanted so much to share this story because it is an important story, uh, certainly one that brings a lot of insight. And I urge you and I encourage you to read paper 160 where he goes much more into detail about the art of living, especially during these times when life is so complex. Until next time, and I thank you for listening.